what are you holding back for? What parts of you are you holding back and what are you expecting in the whole, in the withholding? Is there going to come a time or a day where you're, is, is going to unlock this withholding and then you're going to give everything? Or what are you getting out of this? What are you getting out of the withholding? What are you getting out of staying at 70% rather than going the 100? Each one of those conversations with myself and my clients, is it becomes a very, it's an opening. It's an opportunity to like really examine, oh, I'm, you know, self-preservation, fear, all of that sort of stuff. What's currently motivating you right now? Just take a quick inventory. Just check in with yourself. Are you running to something like a future that you want? Or are you running from something, a future that you're afraid of? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, High Stakes Conversations for Relentless Company Founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian and I sit down and talk about the differences between playing to win and playing not to lose. The sentence that Adrian says in this one that just flat out knocked me off my chair was, avoiding death is not living. Wow, I was blown away. I know I've heard it before, but for some reason in this conversation, it hit differently. We talk about how most high performers like yourself can play at 70% and everybody around them will think it's their 100. But this produces dire results. We outline exactly what those are. And finally, we talk about the subtle yet powerful secret weapon that takes us from playing not to lose to playing to win. Now, let's dive in. Adrian, brother, it's so good to be with you in this conversation once again. Yes, yes, yes. Good to be here. Uh, So right at the top, again, Dan is not part of this recording. He is out uh, making some stuff happen with one of our clients. And um, yeah, we'll miss him. Yep, miss you, Dan. Come back soon. That thing. So there's this phrase we use often. And we've used it a lot on this podcast, but I don't know that we've ever really taken a a moment to really talk about the impact of what this language has, at least for me and for the people that I coach, they really resonate with it. Um, And it's this idea that, you know, we can either play not to lose or we can play to win. Uh And every time I say that to somebody for the first time, they're a little taken back and they got to think about it for just a second. Be like, wait, whoa, whoa, what's the difference? Uh-huh. And it really is an opening for a, a new conversation about how are we going about this? How are we being? How are we willing to like show up every single day? And it makes such a difference in the experience of whatever you're going. I'll speak for myself. It makes such a difference for me in the experience of whatever I'm going after. Because uh-huh. when I'm in playing not to lose mode, it's miserable. Yeah. It's so miserable. Yeah. Um, and what, what when are the I'm, symptoms of that, Chad? Like The symptoms of that are fear for me. I got a lot of fear. I'm running from something. And I wake up and, you know, it it goes in like, it's interesting for me. I don't know how you experience it. Maybe some people can relate to this. Maybe it's valuable. Maybe it's not. But um, I go through it in like, typically experience it in waves of a couple of weeks or so where I'll wake up, first thought in the morning is this fear, this thing that I'm running from. Uh Uh-huh. 
and I've got to make all this shit happen today. I've got to get all these things done. I got to get, you know, have that call, do that, pay that bill, blah, 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 because I'm scared of this potential future that I'm running from, or I'm scared that this thing might happen or, you know, that sort of thing. And that is, it it motivates me. Uh I get shit done, Uh but man, it is miserable. It's fearful. It's pit in my stomach. I don't, I don't know if I feel my fear uh, in 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 my stomach as like a sickness, uh-huh. and um, and that's the experience of playing not to lose for me. Yeah, yeah. I you know I the, some of the the examples for me are you have like a to do list, and then you're all technology technology based. It won't be as, as probably as true for you, but when I if I'm transferring. If I had yesterday's to-do list and then I keep moving things from yesterday's to-do list onto today's and then tomorrow I'll keep moving those things like into the <laughs> next one. And like what I'm avoiding, um, the things that I am un- unfortunately consciously avoiding mm. you know, where there is a conversation about the thing that I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think it's going to, you know. Um, there's going to be disappointment in the other party or whatever. And I'm r- really uh, just avoiding it. Those are usually, you know, uh, environments in which like the things I'm doing that I'm like really hoping the worst case doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's so funny you bring that up because I actually, at the beginning of the year, I went to analog uh-huh. uh, with my to do's or with my, with my, also with my to be's. This is a these these little cards. A company by Ugmunk makes them. They they are called analog, and they uh-huh. have like it's really cool. They have lines, and you can fill like they have different symbols in the circles. So you can fill those out like half done. Blah 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 blah. And I did it for the very reason you're talking about is because when it was set up in my electronic to do list, I didn't have to physically. I didn't go go through the 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 mental labor of transferring that thing that I didn't do today. Yeah. to tomorrow. Right. And it's even more ironic, man, that look at the top one. <laughs> it says Katie's B-Day, and that's yeah. been on the top of these cards, my to-do list, for probably two weeks now. Uh-huh. And, you know, her 40th is coming up in in June, and I want to do something really special, really meaningful. She, you know, my 40th was in April. She did this, she made this really beautiful video of uh, all of my closest friends and family where they gave well wishes, you and Scout and Charlie and Allie and Grant were on it. And it was just like, oh man, it was amazing. And so, and so it's, like, as you talk about this, a little bit of a tangent, but I'm sure. thinking like, okay, what possibility do I not see in this? Like, what uh-huh. am I afraid of that is not going to, like, in order for me to, like, actually just sit down and get real intentional about what it is that I want to do for her for her 40th birthday? Right. So, anyway, a little well, bit of a and, tangent, but also well, also really making me think about where do I see possibility where I don't. Yeah. And this is, you know, we're we're typically talking about orientation on this podcast. Like how, like how we're viewing something and how we're relating yeah, yeah. to something, because that the, usually the, the the experience comes out of that, and you know, he even I think about this as well. I mean, gifts is like a perfect 
perfect um, place to see this show up for me. Where, um, so the, the the distinction would be, what gift do I have to give so the person is happy, or the person's <laughs> not upset? That would be playing not to lose. What? How do I? properly check this box so that I am a good husband, father, son, blah, blah, blah. That's playing not to lose. Playing or to how do it. I give a gift that matches what she gave me? Uh-huh. Not personal at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Which is like a check the box type thing. You yes. know, like how do I check this box? How do I get by? Yeah. Um, And not getting by is... You know, disappointing someone, looking like a fool, blah blah blah. Yep. Instead of, you know, giving, approaching it like, okay, what's the joy here? Like, what do I? That's right. What's the joy? Like, how do I yeah. blow? Who the hell's Katie? Like, as a person, what would mean the most to her? And then sit in like the hundred ideas that come to mind. Is this? Um, which might you know, require more strain or energy or money or whatever, but let me just give myself to a, an optimal outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, which might actually also be very simple. Like it actually may be less showy. Yes. And actually more sincere, which actually might save time and energy and money as well. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah. So I, I have this conversation uh, with playing not to lose all the time um, with my clients as well because I find that most of their frustrations are sitting in that container. Most of their frustrations and what they think they want to do with their frustrations really. Like the team's not that engaged. And so the goal is how do I get them to show up? Or... This person is going to leave. This team member is going to leave. And how do I get them not to leave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, the investors need X, Y, Z, the, you know, uh, even conversations about the future and like revenue goals. How do I, you know, how do we go up 10% from last year? Yeah. Um, or how do we not lose money? And then how, the blah, blah, blah. And like a lot of their, com- a lot of their complaints are in the container. Of, How do I get the board off my back? That's right. Yep. Yep. So, and we'll explore that because usually the environment that the conversation is in really generates the conversation. Hey. Which is like a weird philosophical thing to say. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. What I mean is like the agenda colors the vision. So if the agenda is get the pain over with, or to check the box or to have it suck less then my vision like what I see is possible will actually go down to that level of thinking yeah and I won't see other possibilities because I'm just here to get by and for especially for high performers this haunts them yes at a deep level because at least in their story of themselves they're not that kind of person right they're not normal Right? And it typically didn't start this way. Right. Right. Yeah. I've got a client uh, that I'm working with right now. He's awesome, brilliant dude, uh, fast-growing company, brought in a um, high-level executive, and 
started, you know, introduced bringing this high level executive on to me as um, the goals, the, the immediate goals is to cover their salary. Uh huh. And I was just like, bro, your vision is low, man. Uh huh. That's playing not to lose. That's running from the idea that you could lose this person uh-huh. if you don't cover their salary. Uh huh. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like a, a vision worth going after for me. Yep. Well, you know, we end up having these patterns of like low motivation. Uh, you know, because avoiding death isn't life. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know? Yeah. Like not dying doesn't that equal one hits hard. satisfaction. Yeah. And but if we don't watch it, we're just, and, and you know, we're all thrown this way. We're all thrown this way, meaning like for humans, survival is our number one priority. Like we don't get a vote on that. Um, baked into us, wired into us, genetically, you know, coded into us make it till tomorrow now if you just keep that up um you'll be pretty normal mm. um and so but you know if you're a troubled person if you're like a frustrated founder if you're uh you know you know t- troubled in the sense of like i'm this way like how good could it get you know, yeah. I really live in that question. Like, how good could it get? Like, uh, well, uh, meaning, like, how connected could we be? How much strain can we take on? How, you know, how um, nimble? How inventive? How fun? How sincere? How all those things are like questions for me, and they trouble me. And it's not like a problem. Like, I'm not like a victim to them. Like, actually, that's what provokes life for me. Um, is this question. Now, it also haunts me at times because it's at some points I sacrifice contentment um, and appreciation and gratitude for the moment that I'm in because the restaurant music is a little bit too loud and it's like not quite what it should be or, um, you know, uh, just thinking about their examples, like some little thing was off Um that it didn't quite go the way it sh- quote unquote should have gone. So I could like sacrifice gratitude um, and my own satisfaction. Uh, but I, I actually don't mind and I appreciate like being troubled by the possibilities of life. <laughs> yeah. Most entrepreneurs, hard drivers, um, people that we get to work with and associate with, and uh, most of them can operate at a 70% and everybody around them will believe that it's a hundred. Right. Yep. And, you know, Kierkegaard said people find a level of despair they can tolerate and then call it happiness or call it, call it joy. Or I can't remember exactly what he, what he said there, but the, the sentiment is there is that I, I believe those two ideas are very closely connected. And I think even for myself, I'm in despair when I know there when I know that I'm playing not to lose when I know that there's more of myself that I could give. Yes. Totally. Um 
I talk about this as like one of those like primary hauntings of of high achievers. Nice. Is that they they live in this this question of their own capacity. Yeah. And you know, they have heroes. Every high achiever has heroes. It's weird. Um meaning it's like a, it's like a trend. Like we look at look at at great people and wonder how to be that way. And then see the gap that's between them and me and like really throw myself at filling this gap at some level. Uh-huh. And then at some point we just get that oh hold on. It's okay. I can just not and try to talk myself into not being bothered by how do I make this life really count? How do I make this conversation really work? How do how good could I really get? Try to talk yourself off of that to deal with the strain that naturally is provoked by striving. And, you know, it's like everybody's like haunted by this, that 70% rule that you're talking about. And I think I think it's where it's it's lonely at the top. That really is I think is one of the main key conversation where people are complaining um about it being lonely at the top. Yeah. Because in structurally it's true, but sure. the structure doesn't generate the experience. The um psychological structure is what generates the experience, not the organizational structure. Yeah. What are you reserving, right? That's the question that I keep asking myself when I'm being mindful about it. It's like, what are you holding back for? Uh-huh. What parts of you are you holding back and what are you expecting uh-huh. in the whole, in the withholding? Right. And is, you know, is there going to be, is, is there going to come a time or a day where you're, is it's going to unlock this withholding and then you're going to give everything? Uh-huh. Or is it, you know, what are you getting out of this? What are you getting out of the withholding? What are you getting out of staying at 70% rather than going the 100? Uh-huh. And it's been in, in, you know, each one of those conversations with myself and my clients, is it becomes a very, uh, it's an opening, it's an opportunity to like really examine, oh, I'm, you know, self-preservation, fear, all of that sort of stuff. So what prices from your experience, Adrian, is you've, experience it for yourself in, uh-huh. in your own life, playing not to lose in certain areas, what prices do you pay? Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate? What's effective and what's ineffective? What your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, 
or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. Um, well, let's see. There's, there's plenty. Uh, what prices do I pay? I'm, I, I don't really fully, I don't fully express myself. I don't, I, my learning goes down. Um, I am like my connection with other people goes down because if I'm playing not to lose, I'm usually depending more on myself. That's at least my experience. Uh-huh. And I'm not fully engaging other people because I haven't taken on a venture that requires other people. Yeah. Um, and burnout and, um, you know, let's see what else. I, I think there's just this general malaise that happens too. Yeah. Like life is just kind of this ho-hum, this petty pace as Shakespeare wrote, you know. Um, it, de- it shows up as like depression for me. Right on. Like it's a very depressive experience yep. uh, to be playing not to lose. Yep. Because of what, what's the point? Like, yep. all right. So I'm playing not to lose for the rest of my life and then I die like that. That's yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the scale I put it all on. Every time. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. And depression is usually suppression. You know, it's like there's this conversations yeah. I'm unwilling to have with myself and um, with other people. And so I've can I have to convince myself that it's not possible, which takes energy because yes. I literally can't let possibilities show up. Because it's going to break up this game I've got with myself. It's only yes. just get by. And so yeah. when someone else, you know, messes with my math, like if I think this person is a certain way and now I'm just trying my best to make sure they're not this certain way, then if they show up in a fresh way, I'll sh- immediately shut it down because I got to stay right about how it is because I'm just playing not to lose. And mm-hmm. if I'm playing to win, I can see more. I need, I require, like playing to win requires seeing new possibilities and requires openness and requires, uh, you know, separating myself from the dogma that puts me in a corner. Yes. And how right I am about how wrong the world is or, 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 or how wrong the other person is or whatever, um, which is really vulnerable because it requires some openness. But therein lies life like lies vitality and connection and surprise and awe and wonder and curiosity and all the things that really make life vital. Yes. Yeah. Well, you you know, we've spent so much time on playing not to lose because we really want to drive home or really want to get in touch with the prices that we pay, what the experience is. So what is playing to win? What, what marks... What can we look at in our life to indicate that we're playing to win rather than playing to lose? Yeah, than playing not to lose. I mean, playing to win. Yeah, playing not to lose, sorry. Yeah, playing to win requires a willingness to lose. Risk. I would say. You're right. Like, there's something that's worth me having a short-term failure. That's, I think, step one, probably, is I'm willing to have a vision 
that I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if there's enough time in the day, resources in the bank, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if this is possible. And if any of those things happen, I would fail and it's worth it. Uh-huh. And it's worth it. The pursuit is worth it. Like the aim is worth it. Uh-huh. Um, so that's, I think that's probably the first step of playing to win is I'm willing to lose. Yeah. Does that go along? I've heard you say a couple of times this phrase, uh, give up my life and go all in. Uh-huh. I think that's an interesting phrase. Is is that the same? Is being willing to lose yourself or lose the life or is it, what, what, what are you thinking about when you say that? Probably the very unpopular term that I'm thinking about is the word surrender. Yeah. Like I'm willing to surrender the known territory, mm-hmm. which is obviously a metaphor, meaning like um, I've kind of got everything figured out, you know, and I'm fine. And whatever, here's who they are. Here's who the thing is. Here's what the deal is. Blah, blah, blah. Here's what I'm doing. <laughs> and I got it figured out. And that's unsatisfying to have it figured out. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are you laughing about? Yeah. I'm just thinking about like our audience, uh, people who listen to this and, and the people we work with is like, you want to create some serious misery. You put visionaries in a experience where everything's figured out. Right. And misery is going to be rampant. Yes. I mean, most of our, I I think uh, a lot of our um, misery or a lot of our dissatisfaction in life comes from boredom. Uh I really do think that. Um, And we know that life goes really fast when we're bored. I mean, kind of the studies of time and people's experience of time. Yeah. The reason why um, time slows down is because new things are happening. They, you know, we have, we're having a new experience because that like shifts the matrix for us and like, oh shit, there's something new is happening. Wow. And it's cool. Time slows down and we appreciate it. And like a day feels like a week and it was really cool or that conversation. Wow. It's really great. Um, and when we're bored, we're just like checking boxes and getting this thing over with. And it just doesn't call anything new out of us, which is your point. It's like visionaries that love painting. I mean, me, I mean, like painting a picture of the future that's worth pursuing, that's full of risk, full of possibility, uh, requires a team, camaraderie, all that. It's very poetic. I mean, I'm thinking about like Band of Brothers type thing. It's like, you know, or like any of those, any most epic tales require or involve a leader that's stepped out that pulls together a ragtag bunch of people and they go try to pull off something that's impossible and we're drawn into that why because we want to be in that story either the leader or someone that's playing a, a part um and that's why you know i as i get questions all the time around the leadership in the future um I naturally think about like what kind of leadership is going to work in the future. And I, I always like say like people that are real uh-huh. is what's going to work more and more. And when uh-huh. I say real, I don't only mean making something awesome happen, but becoming awesome people on the way to making something awesome happen. So like the leader is the most raw, the leader is the most honest, the leader is the most revealing about themselves because if we're being sold a bill of goods, whatever we might go do that thing but if but if i don't think that being around this leader 
is going to make my life better, I'm probably not going to last that long. Sure. Um, and so like them showing their own personal process, their inner quest, if you will, is inspiring and they show their warts and like, wow, you know, we just got off a call with a guy and we're talking about this potential big work together. And I ju we're just on a call with, with him and like 40 other leaders and the most engaged, the most challenging person on the call, the most vulnerable person on the call was the highest ranking person on the call. I didn't know he was the highest ranking person on the call. So I do cool. know though that he fully participated exponentially beyond anybody else in the call. And yeah. it was like awesome to hear. Hold on, that guy's your boss? Was it the guy we were just talking to? That guy's your that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Because he was like going after it. He wasn't like just checking a box and I'm here because, you know, John told me to be here. He actually was fully in and questioned me in a way that mattered to me, which is great. And I loved the questions and challenged my view because he was looking for personal value. That okay. kind of guy, I thought, whew. It's awesome. This guy's at the helm of this company um, yeah. because he's like all in. He's like playing all in. Like, I don't know, on a random Thursday afternoon, he's not just checking a box and like going to a meeting. He's like doing the thing. Like he's really in it to go seek and to see and to question and to wonder. And what about how, I mean, a lot of his questions were about himself and his own personal journey, which really vulnerable. You know, yeah. I was in, I was in there to context for people and they're talking about the possibility of coaching and what we do with teams. And he asked a great question. How's this different than therapy? Because I go to a bunch of therapy. And, and he said, the therapy has worked better than any coaches I've worked with in the past. Makes sense. I'm a new coach guy. How am I just like the other schlubs that he's, he's hired? Yeah. Fair question. He wanted to see. And he obviously was, I mean, the feedback from the call was like he was really pleased with my honesty and my engagement and my challenge and my, and my um, the way I set it up. Um, but the guy was, my point is like the guy was really fully in and really fully alive. And that's this, I mean, he was playing to win in that conversation. Yeah. He took multiple risks on that call. I mean, I he was did. on that call, but you told me about it, but he took multiple risks and what yep. would seem to some, those, those who are in leadership positions could seem like sudden death, but it really gave life. It gave life yep. to the call, gave life to you, gave yep. life to the potential of the work that we can do with this company. Um, and so, yeah, it was like. I'm going to find out what's here. Like, mm -hmm. I'm all in. Let's go. Yep. Let me put this guy to the test. Is he willing, it seems like the question was, is is Adrian, this guy, is he here to say something or is he here to have a real conversation? Yeah. And, you know, I'm always committed to having a real conversation. I don't know how things are going to go. I'm not there to present something. I'm not there to convince <laughs> anybody of anything. I'm really there to, like, be myself and be very committed to the possibility of people going all in. Yes. Which is really the space in which we're committed to in the coaching context is like, what could happen in your life if you just said, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> fuck it. I'm done playing this smaller game. I'm going to get the bar really high, uncomfortably high, and I'm going to find the end of myself and then keep pushing. Yeah. And that's yeah, not like beat your chest, be some kind of, you know, war hero. This is This is what we, you know, this is... It looks so distinct because it might mean slowing myself down. It might mean getting down on a knee and talking to my kid. That's really all in. Um, it might need asking it from actually for the most part, a lot of for high heart charging leaders, asking for help is actually the most heroic thing they can do. Yeah. Because it might they might look messy as shit. Yes. Look, playing to win might look messier than you've looked in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. 
Yes. And I don't think, I, I think for myself, I can only speak for myself, but maybe the people can relate. It's like, I don't think about that a lot. Like, I think maybe if I'm playing to win, I'm going to look really good and I'm gonna look, you know, whatever. And, mm-hmm. then, and it occurs to me, even in this conversation is like that, you know, you might look more foolish than you have in a long time if you're playing to win. Yeah. You probably will. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's a might. It, I think playing to win is going to require a lot more gray and a lot more sloppy. Yeah. Because uh, you're, uh, I'm always drawn to metaphors, be- because you're like examining terrain that you don't know. I was just thinking too, it's like, it. I, I, there's so much mythology about what great leadership looks like. And I, and I, there's, I was just thinking about all the, like the life hacky type people and the hyper systems people, you know, the type yeah. that like are like, let's just streamline everything. Yeah. And hire a machine before you hire a person, hire a system before you hire a person. And that's yeah. all great. But the illusion there is that success looks like streamlined. And we end up then protecting the streamline. Like that's actually success is looking efficient. And mm-hmm. it might even be efficient, but you know, this would be a great time for me to think of something, a story from history. Um, who knows? I can't even think of a, about a fine one. But the most of the time, going somewhere unprecedented is going to require a lot of wrong turns, which is, I think, a brilliant point that you're making. It's it is sloppier. Yeah. But if we if we're into looking good, we won't take on the sloppiness, the essential sloppiness it takes to really go discover and innovate. Yeah. I think you know what it was? Not, here's, a not, silly, here's, so, here's a silly metaphor, yeah, yeah. which I heard the other day, which is like the guy from Dyson. Have you heard this this guy's story? No, no, no. no. I'll make up the details. But yeah, the guy, I mean, the, yeah, anyway, it's not even Dyson. <laughs> it's called Fryson. But the, um, anyway, the guy, as he created a vacuum cleaner that had never the world had never seen, um, he created something like 19,000 prototypes something crazy mm. which if people were to peek in on him he is a consistent failure consistent yeah. failure he doesn't yep. know what he's doing smart guy now can't figure crazy. it out can't figure it out what a waste of time what a waste of money what what, the, what a freaking hobby this guy's got so self-indulgent why don't you just oh, do you... go find one that works pretty well and slap a new label on it man go make some money yeah instead he threw himself at invention which is necessarily really sloppy yeah Look him yeah, up. I, too- forget, I don't even know the guy's name, but that that his story is like maybe fits into this context. Totally. I also think about uh, Elon Musk and Twitter at the moment. You know, that's one right. where we're getting to watch it real time. Yes. And there's a whole lot of people critic, you know, with what criticism ready on how shitty of a job he's done. You know, rebuilding Twitter or dismantling Twitter and then rebuilding Twitter. Yeah. And sure, I, I don't know. Maybe your complaints are are valid. I'm, I'm sure they are. I just think I look at it and go, well, we're watching the messiness of somebody who is playing to win uh-huh. and just saying, I'll be the guy. I'll be the person. Yep. I'll go in. I don't know what's there. I don't know what's, yeah, I don't know how it's, what it's going to take. Uh, yep. You know, all of that, all of that stuff. And, and, you know, I think about even, I'll give an example, quick example on our team. This one's very personal for me being the one who's managing and strategizing our YouTube channel. Uh-huh. 
it's not going the way I hoped. It's not going the way it should. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yes. um and for me, like to play not to lose would for me to show up with you guys and with everybody else and just be like, nah, I got it handled, man. This is this is this is how it's supposed to be. You know what? Know. I talked to all the experts, it just takes a while, man. Just takes hold a on. while, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to play to win, which I'm committed to, is to just try some stuff, like try a lot of stuff and uh-huh. immerse myself and get educated, even more educated than I am on it and be able to dismantle the ideas that we went into it with and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And that's my commitment to it. But it, I look, I can, I make up that I can look like a fool in it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but it's, it, it, it's, uh, anyway. Um, yeah. It's a great even, example, man. Great yeah, example. Even, even revealing it in this conversation is like, like uh, okay, yeah. I'll go, I'll say it. It's and, great. Uh, anyway, um, the risk, man, it's it's the risk. Uh, it, you know, you said, I'm going to bring this up at the end because it's just really impactful to me. Avoiding death is not living. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go. Let's live. Let's commit. Let's play to win. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a there is a quote that comes to mind with that. Um, might be worth looking it up real quick, because um, it plays right into this. Let's see. Um, While you're looking that the purpose, up, purpose I found. Yeah, it. go on. The purpose of thought is to let our thoughts die instead of us. Interesting concept, Alfred North Whitehead. The purpose yeah. of thought is to let our thoughts die instead of us. Wow. And I'm just thinking, like, why I bring that up here is, you know, I want my ego to die. Yeah. Because when I'm playing not to lose, that is a, I would say, essentially, it's an ego-driven game. Because I want to look good and feel good and be right, be in control. All those things happen when I'm playing not to lose. Mm-hmm. It's looking good and feeling good and being right and being in control, which are all these, like, survival, essentially the ego needs the humans, yep. like we all don't get a vote on that. But if I can see those thoughts and I can let them die, then I can really live. But it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of faith, takes a lot of risk, which what you're talking about, a lot of risk to like let my good ideas, even my good ideas die uh-huh. so that the great ideas might have a space in which they can show up. Yeah, right on. That you know that plays right into the the idea of, like you don't have to believe every thought you have. Right on. Yes. <laughs> say that to I say that one to myself very often. Yes. You don't have to believe this, man. It's up yeah. to you. Yep. Yep. Or one that's really popular in the twelve step world. They say feelings aren't facts. Yes. Same idea. Yep. Right on. A uh, lot of conviction in this one for me, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Me too. It's a really fun, it's a, it's a, if you're not involved with us as a, in like the coaching context, anybody was listening and you, you haven't worked with a coach before, or you're just kind of maybe dabbling or maybe looking at stuff. Um, it's a, it's a fun, I would say it this way, like ghost, like that's an idea. Like, like what would happen in my life if I played all in? Like if I went all in, what would happen in my life? How would I oh, see huh. my life? And I, I see these ideas, uh, or these distinctions we call them, or these concepts, as a platform to stand on. Meaning, yeah. 
if I put myself right on that idea, like, like that I'm all in, and then I look back out of my life, and I, then what do I see? Like, where is the possibility? Where are the things that I'm really avoiding? Where, where is the fear? Where is the uh, with, withholds? Like what, mm-hmm. you know, what am I actually um, spending a lot of energy not doing? And so stand up on this idea, like think of maybe like a ladder or a platform, and like stand on this idea and wonder about your life, and you'll find yourself provoked, in my experience. So you'll find yourself, holy shit, okay, I want to go back down just to kind of save myself from the tension of being provoked, but give yourself to the tension of being provoked. Um, and if you like want support in that, because this is just like step one, is seeing something new, then becoming... Yep. The becoming a person that wants to sustain that view, that takes some art and, and science as well. And that's what we support people in, is helping to like sustain a lifestyle of, of playing to win. And that's kind of the, one, of the, one of the main purposes of coaching is like to get this stuff in your bones and just decide, yeah, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to make this count. Yeah. So if you're dabbling in coaching or wondering what it's like to be in a coaching conversation, this distinction, we talk about this all the time because it usually is pretty seminal. Yeah. Love it, brother. You're a brilliant mind. Appreciate you. Ah, you're kind. Um, thanks, man. Love being in this conversation with you. Um, really love uh anybody that's listening and like investing this much time and trusting us. I really appreciate you guys. And that's right. obviously you can tell like we're in this work, right? This is our lifestyle, so we might as well do it as a profession. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be troubled by this shit anyway. So might as well yeah. like get paid to do it. Um <laughs> with you. So uh, there's, there's no teacher student in any of our relationships. We're just in the trenches, throwing ourselves at life, throwing ourselves at every conversation um, and really investing in the grand, the grand experiment that if I give myself fully, something new and great can happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If I were a grocery store clerk, this is what I'd still be thinking about. I know. I know. <laughs> Me too. I'd love to be a grocery store clerk. Yeah. I- Sounds amazing. I I love backing my own groceries. I love it. (laughs) All right. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye, everybody. Love you, man. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening. And until next week, bye-bye everybody.